0: Welcome to Heart in Awe, the podcast that connects people through creativity. I'm your host, Danny Vanderbrook, a UK based fiction writer and freelance journalist. It's 2021 and the third year of Heart in art. This year we'll be continuing on our exploration of artistic paradigms before we t- return to the earlier format of inviting guests on the show to share their work and their passion. So a big thanks to everybody who has supported us over the past three years so far. And I hope that you enjoy what we have to offer this year. Today's episode is about the renaissance, or renaissance, you say renaissance, I say renaissance, fitting for the start of a new year and a time where all our major world systems and paradigms seem to be shifting and crumbling around us. On a positive note, new ideas flourish in times of change, just as they did during the renaissance. Just before we begin, I'd like to give a thanks to Geraldine Johnson's Oxford Guide to Renaissance Art, to the National Gallery of the UK for their information about Jan van Eyck's Arnolfini portrait, and also the unofficial guide to the Academia Gallery of Florence regarding Michelangelo's David. They are all resources that we've drawn on for today's episode. So get comfortable. If you don't have the images in front of you or you've not seen these pieces of art, please check out the links on the Facebook post or on our Instagram page so that you can see visually what I'm talking about. The Renaissance paradigm is assigned to a period in European history between the 15th and 16th centuries. It follows the so-called Dark Ages or the Medieval Period and it marks a passage into modernity. So the values at its core appear to be Petrarch's humanist philosophy, that man is a rational and sentient being whose vast intellectual and creative potential is God-given, and therefore secular achievements did not preclude an authentic relationship with God. So you have those two aspects at play there, secular achievement and the relationship with the divine. Petrarch believed in the moral and practical value of the study of ancient history and literature, which led to a renewed interest in classical antiquity art, which harps back to the Greek and the Roman empires. So, Italy was flooded with lost classics from the ancient world, and artists such as Leonardo da Vinci, Botticelli, Michelangelo, Raphael, and Donatello—all of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles—took <laughs> mythology as a starting point to creating extraordinary art. The Baroque Renaissance art was a new intellectual discipline. Perspective was developed the use of light and shadow was prominent, and the human anatomy was studied in the pursuit of realism. So we'll begin by looking at Raphael's The Sistine Madonna, held in a Dresden gallery. It depicts the Madonna holding the Christ child and flanked by Saint Sixtus and Saint Barbara, standing on clouds, while two-winged putti, or we'll know them as sacred cherubs, rest on their elbows beneath her. If you look really carefully in the background, dozens of obscured putti or cherubs look out from behind the figures in the foreground. And this wouldn't have been a piece of visual art as we know it today, but an altar piece designed specifically for display behind an altar and used as part of Christian ritual. So many famous Renaissance pieces should also be understood in the same context to imagine their real significance during the time of their creation rather than how we view them as a modern audience today. Raphael's Sistine Madonna's interesting, as the relative prominence of classical and Christian elements, was in turn disputed. So the depiction of Mary was considered by some as un-Protestant, and could just as easily have been the Roman goddess Juno. The artist Raphael, then, was thus represented as either a devout Christian or a divine pagan, and both of these, at different times, by different groups of people. During the 18th century, a German legend arose around this painting – Raphael's dream made its way into a number of stories and even a play. It presents Raphael as receiving a heavenly vision that enabled him to present his divine Madonna. It's claimed that the painting has stirred many viewers, and the sight of the canvas some were transfixed to a state of religious ecstasy, akin to Stendhal syndrome, including one of Freud's patients. This nearly miraculous power of the painting made it an icon of 19th century German romanticism. The picture influenced Goethe, Wagner, and Nietzsche. In Northern Europe, portraiture was more appreciated as an art form during the Renaissance period. So the next work we'll discuss is a well-known Arnolfini portrait by Dutch artist Jan van Eyck. The image of that of a wealthy couple standing hand in hand in a domestic interior. The man in the portrait is thought to be Giovanni Arnolfini, a wealthy merchant and his soon-to-be wife. The posture reveals it could have been painted to commemorate the betrothal of the couple. If you look closely, the man's hand is slightly raised, as if in a solemn vow. This piece is notable due to it being an oil painting, which was a relatively new medium at the time, and also because the sitters or the subjects of the painting were not ecclesiastical or royal. The fact they were portrayed standing in full length in their own home is also very unusual, as this posture was usually reserved for the sacred elite in a larger religious setting. In 1432, Jan van Eyck and his younger brother were famous for completing the Ghent altarpiece in St. Barbo's Cathedral, Ghent, in Belgium. The altarpiece was a far more common ecclesiastical art form during this period. Significantly, the viewer of this art piece is figuratively invited into the piece. Behind the couple making their vows, there's a round convex mirror on the wall, reflecting two figures. It's thought one of these is the artist himself, supported by the inscription above the mirror, Jan van Eyck has been here, and the date 1434, all in the style of a witness signature. The other figure then, must be the viewer of the portrait. The artist depicting himself in portraiture was also a relatively new phenomenon at the time of the Arnolfini portrait. Finally, we come to the imposing 14-foot-tall marble statue, Michelangelo's David. Depicted as a standing male nude, the David in question was a biblical shepherd, the youngest son of Jesse of Bethlehem, pointed by the prophet Samuel to be king of Israel instead of Saul, who was said to have angered God by unlawfully offering a sacrifice and disobeying a supposedly divine command to kill the enemies of the Israelites. David was described as a man of valour, a warrior prudent in speech and a man of good presence. When a war began between Israel and the Philistines, David took on the giant Goliath in single combat, without armour, and kills him with a rock and a sling. This depiction harkens back to the Greco-Roman understanding of the notion of heroism, valour of the battlefield. Michelangelo was only 26 years old when he was commissioned to create the statue the unofficial guide to the Accademia Gallery of Florence tells us. Traditionally, David had been portrayed after his victory, triumph over the slain Goliath. Florentine artists like Veraccio, Giberti and Donatello all depicted their own version of David standing over Goliath's severed head. Michelangelo instead, for the first time ever, chooses to depict David before the battle. David is tense, Michelangelo catches him at the apex of his concentration. He stands relaxed but alert, resting on the classical pose known as contrapposto. The figure stands with one leg holding its full weight and the other leg forward, causing the figure's hips and shoulders to rest at opposing angles, giving a slight S-curve to the entire torso. Michelangelo worked on the statue in utmost secrecy, and he hid it until January 1504. His method of work is interesting. It said he created a wax model of the design and submerged it in water and as he worked he would let the water level drop slowly using different chisels sculpting what he could see emerging. His biographer Asanio Condivi reports he slept sporadically and when he did sleep he slept with his clothes and even his boots on and rarely ate. When the statue was finished, it was thought to be far too grand for its initial placement in the cathedral where it was initially commissioned for. Nine separate locations for the statue were discussed and eventually it was placed in the heart of Florence and the Piazza della Signora, the political heart of the city. It took four days and 40 men to move the statue the half mile from Michelangelo's workshop behind Santa Maria del Fiore Cathedral to the Piazza della Signora. There was a herbalist and diarist called Luca Landucci who lived nearby, and he wrote down the event of the transport in his chronicles. He wrote the following. It was midnight, May 14th, and the giant was taken out of the workshop. They even had to tear down the archway, so huge he was. Forty men were pushing the large wooden cart where David stood protected by the ropes, sliding it through town on trunks. The giant eventually got to Signora Square on June 8th, 1504, where it was installed next to the entrance of the Palazzo Vecchio, replacing Donatello's brave sculpture Judith and Holofernes. So in summary, although ecclesiastical art such as altarpieces and divine themes still dominated the Renaissance period, we also saw the rise of the myth of the Renaissance man, when individual artists themselves became more prominent. Michelangelo himself addressed a critic's complaint that his statue of a duke did not look like the sitter. And Michelangelo replied that in a thousand years, no one would care who the Duke of Medici was, but they would care who sculpted him. And Michelangelo was in many ways right. As Geraldine Johnson puts it, the cult of artistic genius and artistic masterpiece has continued to grow. With thanks again to Geraldine Johnson's Oxford Guide to Renaissance Art, available on issue.com. Thank you to the National Gallery, which hosts Djam van Eyck, the Arnold Beanie portrait, and the Academia Gallery of Florence for their information on Michelangelo's sculpture of David. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please join us next time.